The Orioles just played the wildest, wackiest, craziest game maybe I've ever seen. And they walk off on the Texas Rangers for the second day in a row. But that's not even the bulk of this episode because we're giving out Orioles midseason awards as well. All coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and I have no idea what to do with my hands right now. That baseball game was unbelievable on Tuesday night. And on today's episode, we will recap the Orioles' 10-9 walk-off win over the Texas Rangers in 10 innings, getting you the five things you need to know from that one. Not sure how I'm going to cut it down to five. Not sure how long it's going to take. But that's not all we've got coming up on this episode. It should probably take me at least an hour just to recap everything that happened Tuesday night. But we're also having a little award show here. Orioles 2022 Mid-Season Awards. We're going to hand out Orioles First half MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, best walk-off win. Now we've got two walk-offs in the second half maybe to talk about. We'll also hand out just the most memorable moments of the first half. It's a fun, fun episode coming up here in this one. And we thank you, the listener, for tuning in every day, Monday through Friday. Make sure to like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review, hit that subscribe button here on YouTube, all those things that you can do to help out the pod. We thank you, the listener, for doing so and making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. But let's jump right into it because, you know, I do have to to be candid with you all. Earlier in the day, on Tuesday, I recorded the midseason award show, which you will see on the back half of this podcast, giving out these awards, and figured the Orioles would play a normal game against the Texas Rangers, maybe win, maybe lose. I'd recap it at the top of the pod and record right after the game ends. Put it up. And that would be a podcast. And then the Orioles played the craziest game I've ever seen. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time on Tuesday night's game than originally planned. But I think everyone understands why that might be the case. So let's get into it. The five things you need to know from the Orioles' 10-9 victory over the Texas Rangers. A walk-off win in 10 innings as they have taken the first two games of this three-game set from Texas. Both via... Walk-offs as well, both via extra inning walk-offs as well. What the heck is going on with this team, man? I'm not really sure. I didn't have fun the entire time I was watching this game, but that ending sure was fun as the Orioles again win it 10-9. to And with the victory, they've now won three in a row after a little bit of a rough road trip last week. And the Orioles have improved their record to 38-44 and on the season. But the first thing you need to know is that, well, the Orioles walked it off again. Their seventh walk-off win of the season is the second most in baseball. They've done it on back-to-back days for the second time this season. And this time, the hero was Cedric Mullins with a walk-off RBI double that he smashed off of Matt Moore in the bottom of the 10th inning. It was the same pitcher the Orioles walked off in in both games, Matt Moore in the 10th, but Mullins wins it for the Orioles. And really, you know, Mullins was the offensive star in this game. He goes three for four with two doubles, three RBIs, and two walks, reaching base five of the six times 
He went to the plate. He had four hard hit balls. Mullins is hitting over 300 since June 1st. He has been on fire over the past five weeks or so, really looking like the hitter that we saw for most of last year. It's fun to see him heat up. It was fun to see him hit in that moment because, you know, in the bottom of the 10th inning, after Joey Crable got the zero in the top of the 10th, Robinson Torinos popped up a bunt for the first out. Ryan Mountcastle flew out for the second out. And so there were two outs and they hadn't even moved the zombie runner up to third. So they needed the base hit. And Mullins comes through to score McKenna and win the ball game. Second thing you need to know from this one is that You know, Austin Voth pitched a little deeper and I think is maybe turning himself into a little bit more of a starter for the Orioles. Now, Voth's final line, he goes four and a third, allowing three runs on four hits, three Ks and a walk. He threw 65 pitches and allowed five hard hit balls on the day. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into Voth's start because there were 10,000 things that happened that were more important than the four and a third innings that Voth threw. But he did have six whiffs, including four on his cutter. He only threw three pitches on the day. He was fastball, curveball, cutter, which is actually something I wanted to see from him coming over to the Orioles from the Nationals, kind of cut down on the pitches that he uses. But what I saw from Austin Voth was deeper into the game. You know, he hadn't pitched more than three innings in an Oriole uniform. He was at 50 pitches, had allowed one hit through four scoreless. And then the fifth inning was just unfortunate. He gets the first batter out. And then he allows, you know, three straight singles to the seven, eight, and nine hitters in the lineup in Lowe, Garver, and Miller, and loaded the bases, came out of the game, and obviously all three of those inherited runners scored. Because, you know, I don't think it was a bad idea by Brandon Hyde. I would have done the exact same thing Hyde did. 50 pitches through four scoreless, one hit, bottom of the lineup coming up. Every manager in baseball sending Austin Voth back out there for that fifth inning. Just didn't work out. That happens sometimes. But the third thing you need to know from this one is that the Oriole bullpen probably had its worst day of the season. Everybody except Joey Crable allowed a run in this one. It started with Keegan Aiken, who entered with the bases loaded and one out in the fifth, allowed all three of those runs to score, then gave up a solo homer in the seventh to tie the game at four. Then after the Orioles took the lead, Dylan Tate, you know, led a couple of batters on in the eighth inning. Nick Vespi comes in with two down and two on. Allows a three-run homer to Nathaniel Lowe that ties the game at seven. In the top of the eighth inning, Orioles take the lead again. In the bottom of the eighth, top of the ninth. No Jorge Lopez. You've already used Dylan Tate. It's Felix Bautista's time for a save. Well, Rugnet Odor just plays a ground ball weirdly for a one-out single. And then a two-run homer from Corey Seager. Rangers have the lead at nine to eight. Not a banner day for the Oriole bullpen. And you're maybe starting to see just a little bit of some cracks in this bullpen. Because as we've talked about on this podcast, it is the most used bullpen in baseball. Now, they've been statistically a top five bullpen in baseball, but this bullpen has also pitched the most innings of any relief core in the majors. At some point, that's going to weigh on you. We're into the second half of the season now, and it's weighing on them a little bit. You saw that. You know, everybody really had their struggles. Even Joey Crable, who did a great job of putting up a zero in the top of the 10th, despite the zombie runner, you know, he allowed a hit and a walk in that inning, was able to get out of it, but was not at his, you know, most crisp by any stretch of the imagination. So hopefully it doesn't continue to wear on the Orioles because they're not exactly getting super deep starts from their rotation. But it's a little concerning the, the past couple of days from the bullpen. Fourth thing you need to know in this one is that, well, the offense just kept picking up the bullpen. And the big thing from the offense was, The Orioles hit the ball with runners in scoring position in this one, which 
They have not been doing at all lately. It has been a disaster over the past week or so for the Orioles with runners in scoring position. But they got the job done fairly well. Six for 14 with runners in scoring position on Tuesday night. It all started with the four-run second inning. You had the Jorge Mateo RBI single, the Mullins two-run double, and the Mancini RBI double that made it 4-0 in the second off of Rangers starter Spencer Howard. And the O's looked good with all those two-out runs. And the Rangers come back and tie it up at four. You go to the bottom of the seventh inning. Well, the Orioles keep producing with two outs. Anthony Santander, an RBI single with two outs that makes it 5-4. And Ramon Arias, a two-run single with two outs, makes it 7-4. Well, you thought that lead was safe? No, it was not. And then the Mullins walk-off single was, well, with a runner in scoring position, another hit. O's had 10 runs on 14 hits, but it was nice to see six of them come with runners in scoring position because it's something they really, really haven't done lately. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this game is, although Cedric Mullins was ultimately the hero, was probably the Orioles' best player in this game, reaching base five times, there were some heroes in the eighth and ninth inning who were much more unlikely for the Orioles. It started with the eighth after the low three-run homer in the top of the eighth tied the game at seven. Ryan McKenna, of all people, led off the bottom of the eighth inning with a solo home run over the big wall in left field to give the Orioles an 8-7 lead. It was, for McKenna, his first home run of the season. 103 off the bat, 396 feet to left field to give the O's an 8-7 lead. He gets to wear the chain for the first time this year. And then after Seager hits the two-run homer in the ninth to make it 9-8 Rangers, you know, you had Rugnet Odor, who was having a really rough defensive game, Hurt the Orioles in the top of the ninth of the defensive play. They're down to their final out. The first two batters of the ninth are retired by Texas closer Joe Barlow. And what does Rugnet Odor do? Well, he deposits a hanging breaking ball into right center field, into the seats for a solo home run to tie the game at nine. I mean, that can't be overlooked. 103 off the bat, 401 feet to right center field for the Rugie home run. He redeemed himself. He really did. And that seems to be the season for Rugnet Odor. He'll have stretches of bad play, and you want to say, get this guy off my team. And then he redeems himself with a big hit time and time again. There you go. Even a big defensive play sometimes as well. But there you go. I mean, what a swing against his old team, obviously, to tie the game. And then the Orioles finally got outs when they needed them in the top of the 10th. And Cedric Mullins is the hero in the bottom of the 10th. As I said, I could go 20, 30 more minutes on what the heck happened in this game and all the different things that played out. But at the end of the day, the Orioles win at 10-9. They've won the series against Texas. Back-to-back walk-off wins. They're 38-44. and That was a crazy... I can't get over that baseball game. It was enjoyable at times. It was horrible to watch at other times. I still don't believe what happened. But at the end of the day, the Orioles may simply be built different. Because I don't know how they won that game. But they did it. And this... Win, Monday's win, both kind of following up what was a obviously strong first half of the season for the Orioles, because this was game one of the second half. 37 and 44, you'll take that from this Orioles team in the first half, and wanted to hand out some awards, some accolades in that first half. So coming up next, it's the 2022 Locked on Orioles, Orioles Midseason Award Show. We're handing out first half MVP, Cy Young, Best Reliever, Rookie of the Year. Most surprising performance, best game, best walk-off win, best moment. whole bunch of things being handed down to some different Orioles. Recapping the entire first half of the season, a fun look back on the Orioles' exciting first half is coming up 
next. But first, I do have to tell you about BlueNile.com because whether you want to pop that question or you're just looking for a special piece for a special moment, BlueNile.com helps you find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping. Now, they have simple online tools that help you find what you need, but there's also always someone there at BlueNile.com to help you because if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what right size, right diamond, right shape, whatever question you might have, there's jewelry experts on hand at BlueNile.com, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget, and they're there 24-7. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So, Tuesday night's game against the Rangers was game number 82 of the season for the Orioles. Game number 81 was the walk-off win on Monday. And 81 games, of course, means you're halfway through a 162-game Major League Baseball season. So the Orioles sit just a touch past the halfway point, but thought it would be a good time to take a look back at the first half of the Orioles season. Because, as we know, it's been a success, I would say. They're obviously not playing over 500 baseball, but they've got way more wins at this point than we thought they'd have. They were 40-41 and 41 at the halfway point in 2017. The 37 wins that they had at the halfway point this year is by far the most since they had the 40 in 2017. It's a ball club that's winning more baseball games. So this is the 2022 Orioles Midseason Award Show here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And we're going to start with giving out some player awards. Then we're going to look back on some moments, some of the big moments from the first half of the Orioles season, which has been much more enjoyable than I think any of us thought it would be. So let's get right into it with the player awards. And let's start with the big one, your first half Orioles MVP. Now, there are a couple names who could have been considered for this one, but the award goes out to Austin Hayes. Now, Hayes is by far having his best season as an Oriole. And right now, he's a fringe all-star candidate. I talked about it on the podcast last week, his all-star candidacy, kind of right on the bubble for probably the final outfield spot in the American League. But whether or not he gets that all-star nod, which would be obviously for the first time in his career, he's been the Orioles' best player this season. Austin Hayes, 76 of the first 81 games he played in, and I know right now he's got a little bit of an injury issue after getting hit on the wrist and you know not in the starting lineup Tuesday. Really, the only other games he missed was when he had that laceration on his hand when he got stepped on in St. Louis back in May. That's been about it. A guy who struggled with injuries throughout his career, knock on wood, hasn't really struggled with them this year. 76 games, 318 plate appearances through Monday's game. All these stats will be just for the exact first half, so through Monday's win over Texas. A's 271 average, 327 on base, 459 slugging, 11 home runs, a 123 WRC plus, which is second to only Ryan Mountcastle on the team, and a 1.5 Fangraphs war, which is second to only Cedric Mullins on the Orioles. So yeah, he's not first in every single category. But when you put that all together, plus the health, plus the defense he has brought 
and the six outfield assists, which leads the Orioles as well, playing mostly left field for the O's this season. Hayes has been a delight to watch to finally get to see him on the field pretty much every day. And he's a very deserving candidate. I think there's a case to be made for Mancini, a case to be made for Mountcastle, maybe a couple of pitchers, probably not. Austin Hayes is your first half Orioles MVP. But let's go to the pitching side. Your first half Orioles Cy Young Award winner has to be Tyler Wells. This guy has been the Orioles ace this year, and he stepped up when they needed him to. John Means makes two starts and then has to get Tommy John surgery. He's been your ace for three years, and you don't have him. So the Orioles turn to Bruce Zimmerman, who was lights out for his first seven starts. You think Bruce is the guy. His next six starts were horrendous. And Zimmerman is now in AAA trying to figure out what went wrong. Then you're thinking, okay, Grayson Rodriguez is ready to come to the bigs. Well, just before he is, he sustains a lat injury on the injured list. If he does pitch in the bigs at all this year, it won't be until September. Cross him off the list. And you kept having guys who needed to step up. Well, Tyler Wells has certainly stepped up. 16 starts in the first half for Tyler Wells. He has a 3.09 ERA, which is the best on the Orioles staff among guys that have made six starts or more. And for Wells, 75 and two-thirds innings. Now, he's on an innings limit, and he's on a pitch count limit. And even with that, he's been the Orioles' best starting pitcher. A walk rate under 6% is second best on the team. 17% strikeout rate. His 1.4 war, according to Fangraphs, is the best of any Orioles pitcher so far this season. It's just been so fun to watch Tyler Wells transition from a Rule 5 pick reliever in 2021 to the ace of the Orioles starting rotation in 2022. The plan the O's had for him to put him in the rotation, many questioned it. It was the right decision by the Orioles this season. It's paying off. And here's the thing about Wells. He's been so efficient. He's talked about how you know he's not trying to strike out as many guys as he feels that he could because he's trying to be efficient with his pitches and get through six innings every time he goes out there. When the Orioles kind of release the reins next season, he's going to be even better. He's got the efficiency and the strikeout stuff to go seven and eight innings at times as well. It's just, it's been a pleasure to watch him make this transition. What a Rule 5 draft selection by Mike Elias and his staff. Moving on to the bullpen, the top reliever award for the Orioles in the first half, it goes to Jorge Lopez. And I know that his last three appearances of the first half did not go well, allowing a home run in his final three appearances, including two blown saves. And, you know, if he had been pitching like he was all year, the Orioles would have two more wins right now. But even with those three bad appearances, 35 appearances out of the bullpen leads the team for the Orioles. A 1.88 ERA in 38 and a third innings is still their best ERA out of the bullpen. A .7 Fangraphs war, best of any Orioles reliever, just shy of 10 Ks per nine, about three walks per nine, a 60% ground ball rate. He's been throwing 99 mile per hour sinkers all year. And before those three bad appearances, Jorge Lopez had a .73 ERA through his first 32 appearances out of the bullpen. Yes, He's got 13 saves at the back end of the bullpen for the Orioles. And as I talked about on Monday and Tuesday's episode this week, I still fully believe in him as the Orioles closer. He is still my guy. And I still think he's going to be an all-star representing the Orioles in LA this summer. 
He's just been so dominant. He's in a little bit of a rough patch. That doesn't take away from how dominant, dominant his first half was. And obviously, guys like Felix Bautista, Joey Crable, Dylan Tate, CNL Perez, all could have, even Keegan Aiken, all could have won this award. But it's got to be Jorge Lopez. The Orioles' first half rookie of the year. A couple of guys to choose from, but it's Adley Rutschman. And it would have been nice to have seen him for the entire first half of the year had he not had the tricep injury in spring training. But even since then, it's been fun to watch. And, and he's been a streaky player so far. There's no doubt about it. He gets a triple in his first game with me in the ballpark for his first major league hit. And then he didn't really get many more hits after that for a couple of weeks. Then he got red hot for a couple of weeks stretch and just kept hitting doubles. And then recently he got cold again, but he had the big game tying double in the ninth inning on Monday. Hopefully that heats his bat back up. And Rutschman in the first half, we got 35 games out of him. In 142 plate appearances, hit 215 with a 282 on base and a 392 slugging. Three home runs, a 90 WRC plus. But here's the thing. He still amassed a .8 war, according to Fangraphs, which is the best of all Orioles rookies. Obviously, Felix Bautista would be a guy who is in this conversation for the Orioles. Really, he's probably your number two guy in the rookie of the year. It's also that the O's haven't had you know, a huge number of big-time impact rookies, obviously, this year. But, uh, yeah, it's Adley Rutschman. It's going to continue to be Adley Rutschman this year. Maybe he can get it hot and win AL Rookie of the Year. It's going to be tough because Julio Rodriguez is mashing everything. But just so glad to have Adley in the big leagues. And it's not just the offense. He's been a top 10 framer, catching framer in baseball since he got called up. He's got a top 10 pop time, according to all catchers, according to StatCast. He's handled the pitching staff so well. He's brought energy to this team. We are so grateful to have him in the big leagues. The Orioles' first half gold glove goes out to Jorge Mateo. This was maybe the easiest one. Austin Hayes had a chance for this. Maybe Cedric Mullins, too. But Jorge Mateo, 10 defensive runs saved, according to Fangraphs, leads the team. Six outs above average, according to StatCast, leads the team. And here's the thing about Jorge Mateo. I got a question the other day that a listener wanted me to address on the podcast, and I thought this would be a good time to do it. Jorge Mateo has been the best defender for the Orioles. He's put on a show every day at shortstop. The question was, can he win the gold glove at shortstop in the American League? Well, to be honest with you, it's kind of a two-man race right now. And that's only through one half of the season. And it obviously hinges on Mateo playing the whole year. Because, you know, if guys like Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg come up and they take away Mateo's starting spot, he's not going to win a gold glove. But if he is the starting shortstop for the Orioles the majority of this 2022 season, he's right now competing with Jeremy Pena, the rookie shortstop for the Houston Astros, for that gold glove right now. Pena leads all AL shortstops with seven outs above average. Mateo has six. And then Andrew Velasquez has five, former Oriole, with the Angels. But Velasquez is not going to hold on to that shortstop job, I don't think, for long. He's just not hitting at all. And I know Mateo's not either, but Mateo brings more value than a guy like Velasquez. And then below that, you have Corey Seager and Javi Baez, each with two outs above average. So you can maybe throw in Velasquez, but it's really a two-man race between Mateo and Pena. 
And if Mateo plays most of the year, he's going to be right in the AL shortstop gold glove conversation, which would be awesome for Jorge Mateo. Just so many flashy plays all year. The bat's been wildly inconsistent. And we know that in the past, you know, if there's two guys neck and neck for a gold glove spot, unfortunately, a lot of times voters will give it to the better hitter. And Jeremy Pena has clearly been a better hitter than Jorge Mateo all season. So if it comes down to that, he probably won't win it. But if it's just defense... Mateo's got a good shot of winning that gold glove at shortstop and has certainly been the Orioles' gold glove in the first half. And then the last one I want to give out is biggest surprise for the Orioles. And there's a couple of guys here because there's been some surprisingly pleasant performances in the first half from different Orioles that have helped them have as much success as they've had. But I got to give it to a guy who I have blasted on this podcast multiple times over the years. But Keegan Aiken has certainly been the biggest surprise for the Orioles. Transitioned into a full-time kind of fireman, multiple-inning bullpen role, and he's been magnificent. 20 appearances out of the Oriole bullpen in the first half. He threw 46 and two-thirds innings in relief. That leads all major league relievers. And for Keegan Aiken, he's got a 2.31 ERA. And maybe he's gotten a little lucky because his BABIP is 175. There's a little luck involved. His FIP is 3.95. His stats are going to get a little bit worse as the year goes on. But his walk rate is low at 7%, one of the best on the Orioles. Strikeout rate is high at 22%, also one of the best on the Orioles. His just strike percentage, his in-the-zone percentage, leads all Orioles pitchers. He's throwing more strikes than anybody else currently on the Orioles' Major League roster. And he set a Major League record. He started the season with 19 consecutive relief appearances of two innings or more. No one in Major League history had ever done that to start a year. Now, of course, his 20th appearance came on Sunday when he only recorded two outs. It ended that streak. Didn't give up an earned run, but only recorded two outs. I think he'll maybe be starting a new streak here, but listen, he hasn't been the Orioles' most valuable player, but been been pleasantly surprised by what Keegan Aiken has given the Orioles here this season. So those are your individual awards for the Orioles midseason award show in 2022 here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. But coming up next, we'll look back on some of the best moments from the first half of the season. Just a nice look back on how much better things have been this year than the last couple of seasons of this rebuild. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. And something I saw that was interesting the other day is according to multiple sports books, the Orioles are one of the best teams against the spread this season. So if you want to maybe bet on the Orioles to cover the spread in any game, betonline.net is the spot to do it. Because you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news for Major League Baseball, but also MMA, boxing, and golf every weekend going on as well. And BetOnline.net remains your best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, injury news, and more this season. You can get it all, everything you need, at BetOnline.net. So just head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. At BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're back here with the 2022 Orioles Midseason Award Show here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And we just gave out six individual awards And wanted to just shout out kind of five more moments from the Orioles' first half. Five categories of moments that I just wanted to look back on to talk about how much better that first half of baseball was 
than we thought it would be. Again, the Orioles, 37-44 and 44 record in the first 81 games. Don't think anyone thought that they would be six and a half games out of a wild card spot at the end of the first half and be only seven games under 500. But here we are. So some of the best moments. Wanted to start with the best walk-off win because we saw the O's walk it off on the hit-by-pitch on Monday. It was their sixth walk-off win of the year, their most since 2017, and it's only the first half. They have the second most walk-off wins in baseball with six. And it was tough to pick a best one because they've had a lot of cool walk-offs. You know, they've had two walk-off home runs this year. They've had a walk-off error, a walk-off walk, a walk-off hit-by-pitch. They've really done it all so far this year. But my favorite one that I've seen, Sunday, May 20th, Adley Rutschman's second game in the big leagues. The Orioles walked it off on the Rays in 11 innings with a 7-6 to victory. Now, the walk-off was Adley Rutschman was the zombie runner at second. Chris Owings, remember that guy? One of the only negatives of the first half. Bunts him over to third. And then Rugnet Odor comes up, hits a slow roller up the first baseline. And the Rays' first baseman just couldn't field it. It goes right under his glove into right field. Rutschman scores the winning run, and the Orioles win it 7-6. to six. And the walk-off was very cool. Obviously, Adley scoring the winning run in his second-ever game, his first-ever win as a member of the Orioles, was obviously cool to see. And, you know, Adley had a cool moment in the top of the 11th in that game when the Orioles did not allow a run uh, to the Rays in the top of the 11th. CNL Perez got some huge outs, and Adley came up to him after the third out of the inning, and those two were just fired up. It was an awesome moment between Rutschman and Perez. But the reason that win really sticks in my mind is maybe not the best, just the best walk-off win, but but one of the maybe the best win of the first half is how the Orioles did it. Remember that May twentieth game, the O's had won a, on a walk-off, a Rugnet Odor walk-off homer on Friday night. Adley had debuted Saturday night. They had lost to the Rays, so this was the rubber match of the series. And three batters in, Spencer Watkins, before recording an out as the starting pitcher gets nailed on the arm by a line drive, has to come out of the game, and the Orioles' bullpen, which was not crazy taxed, but wasn't super, super rested, had to come in before the starting pitcher had even gotten out. And Joey Crable was miraculous throwing three innings, saving the bullpen, and the bullpen combines to get not just 27 outs. This game went 11 innings. They had to get 33 outs as a bullpen. They held the Rays to six runs, and the bullpen was only charged with four of those six runs as well. All right, actually, they were only charged with three of those six runs. They you know, trailed. They come back in the game. Austin Hayes has a two-run single with the Orioles down to their final strike in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game. They get two scoreless extra innings from the bullpen, and then they walk it off in the 11th. That was just an awesome walk-off win. Wasn't the most exciting walk-off. Little dribbler up the first baseline that gets through, but just the circumstances of that win where I could not, I mean, I tweeted out when Watkins got hurt in that first inning that I thought that game was going to get ugly because of where the Orioles pitching was and with the starter not getting it out, and they won that game. That's the most unbelievable win of the first half of the Orioles. But how about the best non-walk-off win? The best win that didn't come on a walk-off was probably the other most unbelievable win by the Orioles in the first half. Take you back to May 27th, just one week about after the May 22nd win against the Rays, just less than a week later. Orioles 12, Red Sox 8 at Fenway Park. This was the Orioles' one game so far on Apple TV Plus this season, a Friday night game. Kyle Bradish gets the ball and gets socked. 
allows six runs over one and two-thirds innings, and you're thinking, wow, this one's, this one's done. Let's come back on Saturday, which ended up being a doubleheader the next day. The Orioles went down 8-2 to two after six innings. You're kind of mailing it in then. No, no, you're not. Jorge Mateo hits a three-run homer in the seventh, makes it 8-5. to five. Orioles get three more runs in the eighth that tie it at eight. And then the O's get an RBI single in the top of the ninth from Anthony Santander to take the lead. They add three more for a four-run ninth to go up 12-8. And then Jorge Lopez, with his son in the stands, closes it out with a scoreless bottom of the ninth to win it 12-8. The Orioles scored 10 unanswered runs in three innings, three in the seventh, three in the eighth, four in the ninth, to come back and shock the Red Sox at Fenway Park. It was an awesome win. It was an unbelievable win, but it was an awesome win to see. And it's really those two games I just mentioned are the games I look back on the most fondly from that first half. But let's go to a couple of individual game performances. The best hitter performance, this one's pretty easy. June 22nd, Orioles 7, Nationals 0 in 6 innings. Austin Hayes hits for the 5th cycle in Orioles history in just 6 innings. Goes 4-for-4 four four with a single, double, triple, and a home run in a rain-shortened six-inning affair. Just hit the double in the sixth in the pouring down rain to finish off the cycle. It was an awesome sight. Just so cool to see it. Added on to Austin Hayes' amazing, hopefully all-star-worthy first half. Just added to his Orioles MVP total that I talked about earlier. That was just so fun to watch. Best single-game pitcher performance. How about Kyle Bradish? who definitely has had his struggles recently and will hopefully be joining the Orioles off the injured list soon. But we'll take you to May 10th. Orioles 5, Cardinals 3 in St. Louis. Kyle Bradish put together probably the best starting pitcher performance by any O's starter this year. Seven innings, he allowed two runs on four hits, but he struck out 11 batters and walked none. Took him only 90 pitches to get 11 strikeouts in seven innings. That was just his third Big league start, and he dominated a playoff team, a pretty dang good lineup with Goldschmidt and Arenado and Tommy Edmond and those guys in the St. Louis Cardinals. Just killed him with the slider and the curveball for 11 strikeouts and no walks as a rookie. That Kyle Bradish is still in there. Despite his struggles before the injury, that Bradish is still in there, and I think we're going to see that more and more down the stretch this season. And then finally, the last moment I wanted to point out here on this midseason award show is just, it was hard to completely quantify what this moment is, but the moment where this Orioles team felt different. Because this Orioles team is not a playoff team. This is still a team that's going to finish below 500, that is below 500. But this is a much different team than the past four seasons. The terrible baseball we saw from 2018 through 2021. This team is different. They're built different. We've seen that. But I felt like the moment we saw that, was June 17th, Orioles won, Rays nothing at Camden Yards, a game that was followed by a Flow Rida concert. Saw Dean Kramer and the bullpen shut out the Tampa Bay Rays for nine innings. Adley Rutschman drives in the Orioles' only run with an RBI single in the seventh to give the O's a 1-0 lead. And then the moment that sticks in my mind from that game that just made you feel different, feel like the O's were, were turning the other direction, that's when they really started to kick it into gear was starting with that game is Jorge Lopez strikes out Brett Phillips of the Rays to end the game and clinch the 1-0 win. And as Phillips swings through a high fastball for the strikeout to end the game, Adley Rutschman catches it, jumps out from behind the plate, flips off the mask, 
is fired up, sprints out to Lopez, gives him a hug. That felt different. And again, the Orioles are not a playoff team in 2022. Probably not that close to it. But you can see the wheels turning. The rebuild's going in the positive direction. And that's why this first half of baseball was pretty fun. Just imagine how fun it's going to be when they have a winning record in a half of a season. But that's it for your 2022 Orioles Midseason Award Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have differences in terms of these awards, Orioles MVP or Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Best Walk-Off Win, whatever it may be, leave your answers in the comments here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page in the comments of this video. Let us know what you think. If you think I awarded some things wrong, who you would give these awards to for the Orioles first half. And then join me back here on the pod tomorrow where I will recap the happenings of game three between the Orioles and the Rangers, get to the five things you need to know. And then tomorrow we're taking a little closer look at CNL Perez, kind of the unsung hero of the Orioles bullpen so far. He's a waiver claim who's just been dominant, but he hasn't been very good the last couple of years in the bigs. So what changed when he got to Baltimore? I'll take a look into that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.